Hi, my name is Hans Hess. Welcome to my television program. It's so good to have you with me today. Today I'm going to talk about four lies that the devil tells us. Four lies the devil tells us. If you don't believe in Satan, I want to challenge you to listen to the scriptures this morning and realize that a lot of your problem is not just within yourself, but there's a malevolent spiritual force in the earth realm attacking people. All throughout the scripture, we read about Satan's presence. And so today, I want to look at the Bible and just take you through four different lies that I see from scripture that Satan tells us. There are obviously more than that. There are thousands of lies Satan will tell people, but I'm going to give you four of them today, and we're going to tear each one of them down with the truth, okay? Genesis chapter 3 tells a story of God's creation and the first people that God created, a man and woman named Adam and Eve. And when God placed them on earth or created them on earth, he placed them in a beautiful garden, and he told them, you can have access to any of the fruit trees, any of the vegetation growing that you like. Just don't partake of one tree. And God separated that as a test of their obedience. And so what happened was Satan came and tempted them to eat of the fruit of that one tree, and then they fell into sin and fell into a sin consciousness. So I'm reading from Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says, And Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God came down searching for them after they had partaken of the forbidden fruit. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? First question. Adam replied, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God says, who told you that you were naked? Second question, have you eaten of the fruit of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Third question, then the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? A fourth question. And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So Adam and Eve started passing the blame immediately. But you know, Genesis chapter 3 literally explains the world to us. It explains how the world was a paradise and how mankind has made a wreck of it and, and really man's disobedience wrecked the world. Adam and Eve were awakened to a sin consciousness. But thank God God didn't leave them alone. But as Tim Keller said, he came down onto the bombsite and sorted through the wreckage to find them. And when God called out to them, it's interesting the response Adam gave him. He said, well, well, we hid from you, Lord, because we knew we were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? They, were, they had been naked since the creation and there had been no problem. The only thing that had changed was their consciousness of sin, their understanding of sin, their, their sinfulness had been awakened. And it all happened because Satan had originally told them a lie and they believed this lie. 
So the lie that Satan told them sucked them into disobedience, failure, and a failure that would affect future generations. All of us, all of us have been touched by the disobedience of Adam and Eve. All of us were born with a bent towards sin because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. So that's the power of a lie. The power of believing a lie can wreck your life. The power of believing a lie can affect future generations in your family. The power of believing a lie can turn you into the wrong direction. So I'm going to talk about four lies that Satan tells us and how we can confront these with truth and have victory over them today. Lie number one, Satan tells you no one loves you. He tells you no one loves you. And I feel like, like God coming down in the, in the garden and saying, who told you that? Satan tells you no one loves you, that you are unlovable, that uh, there's no hope for you to find love or to find someone who would care for you. But I'm telling you, God loves you. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you so much that He gave His very best. He gave the life of His Son. He gave. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send one of the seraphim. He didn't send one of the saints of old. He sent His Son. And if you understand God as Trinity, it is God Himself coming. He came Himself in the form of human flesh and gave His life for you because He loved you. I know this is a, just a theoretical possibility, but I just want to say it. If you were the only one living and you were in sin, I believe Jesus would have still come for you. That's how much God loves you. He loves you so much that He would have risked everything to come to you. You know, love is a risk. Love is a risk. Maybe you think, well, yeah, but no one sees me. No one sees me. You know, Psalm 33 says, The Lord look down, looks down from heaven and sees all the children of men. God knows who you are. He knows your movements. He knows your thoughts. And He still cares about you. Some may say, yeah, but I'm alone. I live alone and maybe you're divorced or maybe your family's gone and maybe, I don't know, maybe you're just alone in this point in life. Well, Hebrews says, The Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're not alone. God sees you. God's as close to you as you want Him to be. God loves you. But here's the cool thing about God's love. God's love is different than people's love because God's love comes without condition. You see, when we deal with people in human relationships, we often base our love upon conditions. Right or wrong, it just happens. You know, I, I'm going to show you some love if you do this for me or if you act in a certain way, or if you please me and my wants and my desires. But God loves us unconditionally, and He loves us consistently. He doesn't love us one day, then hate us the next day, indifferent about us on the third day. No, God loves us every day 
as the same day because He's eternal. God is love, the New Testament says. God is love, so He loves you unconditionally. And some of you maybe have grown up with religion and you believe that just because you've done wrong that God doesn't love you and will reject you because of the wrong you've done. Well, let me clarify that a little bit. Sin will be judged in the end, and there is a certain judgment of sin that we experience in this life. But God loves you always, and He's willing to rescue you at any point and at any time that you call upon Him because He loves you consistently and He loves you unconditionally. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never heard that before. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'd love to be the first to tell you, God loves you unconditionally and consistently. So we counter that lie of Satan, we tear it down today, and we build up the truth in its stead that God loves us. Second lie Satan tells you is that you're not valuable, that you're worth nothing, you're worthless, you're not valuable. I want to respond with the same question God asked Adam in the garden. Who told you that? Who told you you're not valuable? Maybe you were raised by harsh parents who, who beat you down and told you you weren't valuable. Maybe you had uh, peers that told you that. Well, I'm here to correct that lie. You are valuable. In the New Testament, Jesus said in Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? He was talking about the Old Testament sacrificial system. That even if you were poor, and had nothing to offer, you could usually scrape up a copper coin, and when you came to worship, you could offer a copper coin and buy two sparrows for sacrifice. It was a very small offering. But Jesus said, not one of those sparrows will fall to the ground apart from the Father's will. Meaning, the Father even cares about the most minute sacrifice that you can make. And then he says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. God loves you so much, he knows the, the numbers of hair, hairs that are on your head. And he cares more for you than all of the animal kingdom. You were created at the apex of the animal kingdom, so to speak. But we're different from the animal kingdom in that you and I are created in the image of God. God created humankind in His image. That means we are spiritual beings. We, we, we are spirit beings like God is. And if we are created in the image of God, then God values us in a tremendous way. I believe God values the unborn just as He values the elderly. And all in between, God values you. Hallelujah. Maybe you've never been told that you have worth. I'm here to tell you today, you have worth in God's eyes. And God loves you unconditionally and consistently, and He values you because there's potential in you. When God created you, He didn't just create you for the ash heap or the garbage dump. He created you to make a difference in the world. He created you to have destiny and purpose in your life. You have value, and you need to turn your life to Christ and let God start mining out of you the value that He's placed in you. Oh, hallelujah, you are so miraculously created with a unique DNA. 
unique eye structure, your, the ability to visionize, the ability to, to imagine, the ability to create, the ability to organize and produce. Humanity has so much amazing things created in it because God set us in the animal kingdom or in the realm of the world as unique because we were created in God's image. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that term in the original language means we are His work of art. It has that connotation. We are His work of art. What do you do with a great work of art? You put it in a prominent place to, to display it. You want folks to see it. You, you want to admire it. You want to, you want to look at the beauty and the creativity, and it speaks of the master who created that work of art. I mean, isn't that if you ever go in an art gallery and you look at great paintings, you think, man, how would how did this person do this? How did they create this? What genius, what skill, what 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 uh, what time they invested in this? That's what we should see when we look at other human beings. We should, even though they may be evil, even though sometimes they may be rude or whatever, we can still look and, and appreciate the value that God has invested in each human person. It's, what, it's part of the reason we work so hard to reach people with the gospel. It's part of the reason we work so hard to do world missions around the world. It isn't to spread American colonialism around the world. No, that's, that's, that's the wrong line of reasoning. It's to share the love of God with people around the world and to tell them that that they're created uniquely with unique value and that God came all the way from heaven to earth to die for them and he loves them immeasurably more than they could ever imagine or think. Lie number one, you are not loved. Wrong, God loves you. Lie number two, you have no value. Wrong, God values you because he created you in his image. Lie number three, I'm going to shift gears here. Lie number three is, I could never be healed in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. I could never receive healing. I've heard you preachers talk about healing and you talk about people's lives that were changed, but that could never happen to me. That's a lie. It can happen to you. God has provided healing for you. And I'm going to expand it beyond just physical healing to also include emotional healing because a lot of people today are dealing with emotional healing. I just heard recently a statistic from a psychologist who said 80% of the patients they interview say they have anxiety issues. Think about that. 80%. So many people are wrestling with anxiety, depression. They have fear for the future. They have guilt over the past. God can heal you of every bit of that. Some of, the, some of the rest of you are dealing with literal physical problems. Maybe your body has a certain disease. Maybe you have a, a, an injury or something. I've seen God heal these things over and over and over in the 30 plus years that I've been serving the Lord. And I'm, I want to elevate your faith today that you can believe that healing is possible for you. In the Bible, in the book of John, there's a story of where Jesus went down to a pool where people would gather. And at this pool called the Pool of Bethesda, there was a tradition that once a year an angel would come from heaven and would stir the waters and agitate the waters 
And when that happened, the first person in the water would be healed. Now, did that really happen? We don't know. Maybe it was a legend. But nonetheless, that was the tradition. When Jesus comes to the pool that day, and he sees all of these sick people lying there, and he walks up to one man who had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus walked up to him, and he says, Do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? And the guy says, well, Lord, I have no one to help me. I have no one to put me in the pool because when I try to get in, everyone comes in front of me. The guy was saying, like maybe you're saying, healing is impossible for me. I can't, it's physically impossible. I can't get up. I'm an invalid. I can't get up and run to the waters. It's impossible. Someone always beats me to it. And Jesus looks at him and says, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And the Bible says the guy got up, picked up his mat, and walked. A miracle happened that day at the pool of Bethesda because a man encountered Jesus. It's a lie that says you can't be healed or that God can't heal you spiritually or emotionally. I'm telling you, all things are possible to those who believe. And you say, yeah, but Pastor Hans, that was in Bible days. And that was Jesus. Well, it, that's true. It was Jesus and we're not Jesus. But you know what? The power of healing is still present in the world today. The power of God has never left the world. In fact, God gave a, a Holy Ghost dose of His power on the day of Pentecost so we all could experience His power. And I don't believe the thing that says that all the power went away and the gifts and miracles went away with the early church. I just don't believe that. I've seen too many miracles in my lifetime that God is still moving in miracle power, that you can be healed. You can be healed emotionally. You can be healed physically as you call upon the name of the Lord. Trust in His power to heal you today. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 15, God spoke to the children of Israel and said, I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His word and He healed them. Isaiah chapter 53 says, By His stripes, the stripes of beating and whipping that Jesus bore when He took our sins to the cross, said, By His stripes, we are healed. And you say, yeah, but that was, that's to be interpreted in the context of Israel's healing and the forgiveness of their sins. Well, maybe so, but if you look into the book of Mark, when Jesus physically healed people, Mark said, this was to fulfill the scripture that said by Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. So Peter directly related it and interpreted it in the context of physical healing. You can be healed today. Listen right now, just stretch forth your hand. If you're suffering with, with mental oppression or depression or anxiety or there's pain in your body or a disease, maybe you're struggling with cancer, I just, just be bold. Just be bold and stretch forth your hand and say, Lord Jesus, heal me. Lord Jesus, heal me now. I receive your healing power today in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One of my mentors in life was a Middle Eastern guy who had been saved back in the 50s and had come to America to attend Bible college. And after he went to Bible college in America, he went back to the Middle East as a missionary. 
Then later he started broadcasting on television and radio in the Arabic language, preaching the love of God to the nations. One day he received a letter from a young man from a Muslim nation. And this young man said, uh, Preacher, I heard you on the, on the television. And you said, if you want Jesus in your life and you need a miracle in your life, just touch the TV and pray with me. And the man did that and became a Christian. He was, re- he was hesitant about telling his family about what had happened, but he did nonetheless. He told his mom and dad that he had been saved, and he was afraid maybe they would kick him out of the house, they would feel the shame, but nonetheless he told them, and, and he was surprised that his parents really didn't say anything about it. Several weeks later, his parents approached him and said, Son, you told us about you accepting Christ, and we want to let you know that we've also accepted Christ as our Savior. The son was thrilled and They said, yeah, but let us tell you the story. When you said you had accepted Christ, we knew we couldn't have that. It would be a shame to our family, so we poisoned your food. And you ate it, and nothing happened to you. So we doubled the poison in your food, fed it to you, and you still ate it, and still nothing happened. And we decided there must be something to this Jesus that you're serving. And so we decided to accept him into our hearts. Hallelujah. Come on. You can't tell me God still doesn't work miracles today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is still in the miracle working business. I was with the same man in the country of Jordan years ago. And there was a lady who came to one of his meetings and said, I was listening to you on television and watching you. Well, she was, he was actually blind, so she was listening. She said, but I was listening to you on the TV, and you prayed for someone and said, God is healing you. She said, I felt the presence of an angel come and touch my eyes, and I was completely made whole, and I could see. She came to the meeting to testify of the miracle. That is just, those are just two of thousands upon thousands of miracles that this man saw in his lifetime. I just heard recently that in Afghanistan that the church is growing greater than it ever has. That in Iran the church is exploding in growth. Why? Because Jesus is showing up and visiting people and that there are people having dreams of Jesus. There's angelic visitations happening and people are coming to Christ. Hallelujah. I'm telling you it's a day not to doubt. It's a day to believe. It's a day not to be filled with fear. It's a day to be filled with faith. And I'm coming to you today saying tear down the lives of Satan. Believe God. God loves you. God values you. God can heal you today. Come on somebody. Shout hallelujah this morning. Hallelujah. One more lie I want to tear down before we pray. And that's the lie that Satan tells us we could never be forgiven. We could never be forgiven. Some of you think that The things you've done in your past are just too great. You could never find forgiveness from God. That maybe you did some terrible things in your past. And maybe you're ashamed to even attend a church or go to a gospel meeting because you just realize all the hurt you caused and all the pain you caused and those memories are still there. Well, I'm here to tell you, you've not gone too far that the Lord can't reach you. You've not done something too bad that He can't forgive you. I'm telling you, if you would visit my church, we're all ex-sinners. That's who we are. We're ex-sinners. We're all in here. We all have a past. We all have a story. 
Some people come in and say, Pastor, I'm not worthy of, I just don't feel I could be forgiven. And I said, man, you should just look around this church if you only knew the stories. All of us are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. All of us had to come the way of forgiveness. God can forgive you no matter how far you've gone, no matter how hopeless you feel, no, how, no matter how wrecked your life is or your family is. I'm telling you today, the love of God can reach you and forgive you right where you are. The Bible says in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who heals all your iniquities. An iniquity is a sin. It's an offense against God. And He didn't say, Who heals 50% of your iniquities? Who heals 75% of your iniquities? No, he said, who heals all your iniquities. Hallelujah. And he forgives all. And then he heals all your diseases. Didn't say he heals 25%, 50%. No, he's a 100% God. He forgives all sin and can heal all diseases. I think of the story in the Bible where a woman was brought to Jesus who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And according to Jewish law in the day, she was to be stoned and killed. And when they brought this lady to Jesus, it was such an egregious crime that it, she was to receive the death penalty. Jesus knew that. The religious folks who brought her to Jesus knew that. But Jesus also realized that sin was so prevalent that there's not one person who hasn't been touched by the power of sin. And so they threw this person at Jesus' feet. And Jesus looked around and He said, Well, guys, those of you or whoever of you is without sin, you start the business and you start throwing the stones first. And then He knelt down and He just started riding in the sand and took His attention away from them. After a few moments, He looked up and every one of the ladies' accusers were gone. Why? Because none of them could stand there and say they had no sin. And Jesus looked at the poor woman and she said, Lady, where are your accusers? And she said, Lord, they've all gone. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What radical grace. What radical forgiveness is that? Radical grace and radical forgiveness that that lady could be forgiven in an instant. I think about Jesus when he saw a poor man, a sinner man coming to the temple to pray. And there's this righteous, pompous religious leader coming to pray. And the religious leader said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like the, the sinner man. And I thank you I'm not like others, God, but you've, I, I keep your law and I've, I've kept things right to the nth degree. And I thank you that I'm righteous before you and... The poor sinner man is over here and he just beats his chest and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, you know whose prayer God heard? God heard the poor sinner man's prayer because he had the right heart. That's all God's asking of you. Do you have the right heart? Are you willing to receive forgiveness? It's a lie to believe that you can't be forgiven. I'm telling you today, you can be forgiven. You can be healed why? Because God loves you. God values you. He's given the very best for you. Thank you so much for joining us online. 
and I hope the message was a real blessing to you. You know, eternity is a real thing. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. According to the scriptures, you spend eternity in one of two places. First of all, heaven. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Or number two, in hell. Jesus talked about the rich man who went to hell and was in great torment. He was begging Abraham to send someone, a messenger, to tell his family. Well, listen, you're hearing the message today. Eternity is real, and you're going to spend it in one of two places. So why don't let's decide right now, me and you, that you're going to spend it in heaven. How do you do that? You accept Jesus into your heart. Open up your heart and say, Lord, come in. Cleanse me of all sin. I accept you as my Lord and take the throne of my life as yours. Okay? So let's pray right now. Just pray with me right where you are. Just repeat this. Father in heaven, I, I remove myself from the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne of my heart. Forgive me of all sin. Wash me in your precious blood. And I accept your sacrifice for me. And I thank you, Lord for cleansing me, for saving me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen right where you're at? Hey, thank you for joining us. And please come back, get in, get in the Word, get in the flow of the Spirit. And uh, we're just blessed to have you with us and look forward to seeing you the next time.